They, they just got finished with the first service, experienced the first service. Yeah, we'll finish up with our, our offering and get with it. So how's everybody's week going? Good, good, good. Try, try, try. We are in James. We'll go ahead and we can turn there. We're in James. We're going to be in James for just a, a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we just started last week at verse 1. Today we're going to try to tackle 2 through 12. And so you can grab a Bible. If, if you brought one with you, great. Use your phone, your mobile device, or grab a Bible out of the seat pocket in front of you, and, and we're going to look at this book together. What I thought is, um, as we were going through James and going through chunks of this, it would be great, um, why don't we read this all together? Uh, we've not done that in a while. We've not had a, a corporate scripture reading um, in, in a while together. So I thought uh, we're going to go ahead and read through uh, verses 2 through 12, and I think we'll be able to put those up on the screen. There we go. Why don't we stand together and read the scripture? Stand. All right, beautiful. You may be seated. What a wonderful passage. James, the brother of Jesus, we talked about this last week, and Steve alluded to that just this morning in his devotional. James, the brother of Jesus, little brother of Jesus, has given us this letter originally to a group of people who um, were experiencing persecution. They were, they were leaving their homes. They were part of a Jerusalem church. And because of the persecution after the, uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, they scattered. The Lord scattered them to the various corners of the known world. And so here we have these, these folks who've been gathered together as a people, as a church, and now they've been scattered to wherever, and they're experiencing hardship, difficulty, their loss of connection, loss of relationship, uh, loss of jobs. Some of them have lost family because of the persecution. And so James is delivering this letter to continue to encourage them, press on, press on, press on. You say that you have faith in Jesus Christ, press on in that faith, and God will carry it through. And he starts off this section today, verse 2, with a verse that none of us want in the Bible, right? We read this thing, right? Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, 
Who here says, woohoo, yippee, you know, that is awesome. I am looking forward to those hardships. I'm looking forward to loss. I'm looking forward to broken relationships. I'm looking forward to all those things in life that just seem to happen. And God, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I thought when I did that, everything was supposed to get so much better, right? There's actually a theology out there. It's a very dangerous theology that actually leans that way, moves into that way that if you know Jesus as your Savior, everything's going to be happy, healthy, and you're going to have all the money you need in the bank, and God will bless you with a new car, and even if, if you're a church leader, he, you, you better be praying for that jet. Um, I'm still waiting for the jet. You know, I live out in Lyman now, and I'm thinking, God, it'd be great to have a helicopter. You know, So praying for that helicopter, because I know Jesus And that's a very dangerous position to put ourselves in. And James starts right out the bat with this passage and says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Oh, James, James, I don't want to hear that stuff about trials. I don't want to experience trials. Who here has has gone through a smooth life, never had any sort of problems? Let's see the hands. Let's see all the hands. No problems in life, all that. Okay, where are all those hands? Okay, great. Yeah, we, we're all in the same boat here. We all experience testing. We all experience trials, don't we? And the word for trial here, it covers a multitude of things. He says various trials. It covers, it covers um, temptations. It covers loss, it, 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 trial, um, uh, testing. All of those things are covered in this idea of various trials. It's the big stuff. It's the little stuff. It, it's the, 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 the loss of dear people in our lives that, that hurt and, and pull on our hearts for, for years to come because we're missing them in our lives. It's, it's to the little things where it's, it's the, the stubbed toes. It's the, the stuff like that. The big, the small, everything in between. James says, count this all joy, brothers and sisters, when you experience these various trials in your life, because it's not a matter of if they'll come, right? Who, who, who thinks that, oh, I'll be ready if the trial comes? No, it's a matter of when it happens, right? The bottom's going to fall out at some point. Something is going to happen to you. You're, you're going to get an injury. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to have a, a hard relationship. Uh, you maybe have a broken relationship. There'll be loss. Maybe the bank account drains down more than you were hoping for or more than you, you're, you know, you're trusting in. And, and so we're all going to go through these experiences. It's not about a matter of if it happens. It's a matter of when it happens. And when the bottom drops out, when everything seems to be going wrong in our lives, when, when it doesn't feel like um, we're being taken care of, or where is God in this situation? Where is God? Well, what is he doing? James reminds us. He reminds us. Okay, first and foremost, this is a command. This is not just a suggestion. This is a command from James to his brothers and sisters experiencing great trials that we, we may never experience stuff like, like this. We, we may never experience the, the loss of a home like they've experienced, the loss of a, a family member to a very traumatic experience because they were driven out or they were stoned or whatever. We may not experience the, the depth of a loss of a job like this because we had to, in the middle of the night, pick up and move out of our town, move out of our state, even move out of our country because something was going terribly wrong and we just had to get out. We may never experience that. And James is talking to people like that, but he says, no matter what's happening in your life, The trial, whatever trial you're facing, consider it great joy. This is a command word. Consider it great joy. We get caught up in experience, do we not? 
things are going well. Oh, I'm on top of the world. I feel happy. Everything's great in my life. And, and I'm, just, I'm just riding high. And we, we work out of emotion a lot of times, do we not? Same things happens with a trial. Bottom falls out of this thing, and all of a sudden we are down in the depths. I can't pick myself up. I can't get out of bed. And, and I'm not knocking people who experience uh, depression, deep depression or whatever, but we just feel like, oh, there's no hope. There's, there's nothing left. I can't pull myself out. And we ride these waves in life if we rely on our emotions to carry us through and, and, and get us through good and bad in our life, James says, no, no, we're on, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are on a path of joy. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are on a path of joy, and it doesn't matter what happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, it does not matter what happens in your life, you are on a path of joy because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and because of what God the Father is going to push and press into your life. When you press and you lean into Him, there's great promises in this letter if we act and we live in the joy that has been provided so abundantly for us. He says, you are going to experience these things. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You are going to experience trial, but, but, but this is the reason why. There is a reason for this. This is a reason that God allows us to go through testing. There's a reason that God just doesn't say, okay, ooh, here's a bump in the road. You're walking to it. You're walking to it. Okay, plop. I'm going to pick you up and put you on the other side. Keep walking. Keep walking. Oh, another bump in the road. I'm going to move you over here and move you over here. There's a reason that God allows us to actually walk into the bumps and, and the pits of life because we live in a fallen world. This, this stuff is all around us. There's a reason for this. Be, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance let that that sitting in this let that have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete lacking in nothing god's goal for us is to continue to grow us and refine us and deepen our faith in him and make us more and more like who jesus shout that out make us more and more like who jesus he is, he is infusing us. He is working with us. He is, he is allowing us to go through trouble and strain and trial because his goal is that we become more and more like Christ our Savior. And his goal, he says, is to be more mature and complete, lacking nothing. You're going to go through this stuff. Life is going to happen. People are going to spit on your shoes. You are going to walk through the mud. There will be people who, who, who say mean things to you, who break relationship. There will be times when your bank account just is not strong enough and you're sitting there during the week thinking, where am I going to get the money to pay that next bill? Where is our hope? Where is our hope? We are on a path of joy because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, no matter what happens in this life. And God, and James says that God's goal for us is to have us mature and be complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Now, I had, I had put on your seats, you probably had these on your seats, two, two sheets of paper. Two sheets of paper, and if there's not one in your seat or you didn't grab one, there's probably one sprinkled around. And if you need them, there's some sprinkled around. We can get one to you. One of the little sheets of paper is called uh, God's provision. God's provision for your life. Those ways that you've seen God just move in mighty ways in your life could be big stuff, could be small stuff, it's, but it's the ways that you know 
You know that you are going through something difficult. You are going through something you could not handle. And God, with his mighty hand, brought the resources, brought the person, brought relationship into your life to help you handle this, gave you, gave you supernatural strength at a time even to help you walk through the trial that you were going through. As we're talking about trials and as we're going through this message, God may bring some of those things to your mind during this message. Jot them down. Jot them down. What are the ways that God has provided for you? Feel free to do it during the sermon. I'll think you're taking notes. It'll be awesome. Jot them down. Jot them down. What are the ways that God has blessed you in your life? Maybe it's a way that you would have never realized, you never would have thought of. I was in this financial hole. This is what I was trying to do to get myself out of it, and God moved in this way, and it was totally unexpected. It worked out totally differently than I had planned. Uh, And you know what? By God's grace, he delivered me out of it. What, what are those experiences that you've had where God has blessed you and provided for you and walked with you through the trial and you've experienced that? The other one I gave out are the trials that we need to give to God. James is going to talk to us about trials today, trials, temptations, things like that. This week and next week, we're talking about trial and to walk through tough times. And we are entering a new year. And when it comes to a new year, we make resolutions, right? Well, I think one of the things that we need to do is recognize that there are things that we are holding on to. There are things that we are holding on to right now, and we may have no business holding on to them because God has asked us to give those to him, to present those to him, to allow him to walk in our lives with us and help us carry those, either help us carry the burden or carry that burden himself as we we, uh, walk through a test or a trial, or a temptation in our life. And so this is, this is a sheet where during the sermon, maybe God's saying, you know what? Yeah, this is something you need to give to me. This is something you need to give to me. Maybe it's a, a job you don't like. Maybe it's, it's a, a broken relationship, or there's a strained relationship in your immediate family. Maybe you're having a hard time with your kids. Maybe you're having a hard time with your parents. Maybe there's, you're, you're attending a school that you just hate. Uh, maybe there's a, a job that you just... Ugh. Every day, Monday's rolling around tomorrow. Oh, i got to get there again. And there are things in our lives that we carry, and God says, I want to help you with that. I want to help lighten your load. I want you to have my mind as you are walking through this trial. God is asking us to turn towards him, turn our eyes to him in this passage. So as we're, as we're listening to this message, as we're reading these scriptures, maybe God will prompt you. There are some things on, in your life right now that, you know what, I really need to give this to God. I really need to give this to God. Write down a couple of those things. Write down a couple of those things. James says that when we go through trials, the end goal is maturity. God moving us along in our, in our walk, God lifting us up, God uh, th- through his working, through his spirit, creating in us a heart of, of Jesus Christ who is our great example. And, and, and God says, hey, this is the goal. We're going to keep maturing you and growing you. I had titled, kind of in my own little title, that for this, this passage today is, is God is telling you, grow up. Grow up up. That's the goal. Grow up. And you may be thinking, I, I thought, I was like, well, that's what my mom used to tell me to do. Why don't you just grow up? You know, you know that stuff. It's like, you can use very negatively, but God wants us to grow up. 
God's desire is that we become more and more like Jesus, which will help us thrive and be successful in this life. And when he's saying grow up, people, church, grow up, pastor, grow up, elders, grow up, continue to mature in your faith, continue to walk in this path of joy that I am, I am helping you walk through. It's because I am making you more and more and more like Jesus, your Savior, every day in your heart, in your mind, in your desires. Will you turn your eyes to Him? Will you turn your eyes to Him? When, when the Bible talks about, you know, putting our hope in God, trusting in God, it's, it's really we're, we're turning our eyes, we're turning our thoughts, we're turning our desires, we're turning our wants, our hopes and dreams to God to line up with what He wants in our lives. I get caught up in this, in looking at a passage like this, you know, and um, the next couple of verses say, you know, now if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. I love that kind of stuff. Oh God, I ask you and you're going to give it to me. And I get caught up in this, this passage and miss a couple of key words in here and like, hey, okay, I just have to ask. I just have to want. I just have to hope for and God's going to give it to me and provide for me. And, 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 and God said, no, that's not what I'm asking. I want you to continue to grow and mature and be complete, lacking nothing. And one of the things you're going to be lacking in, and I want you to ask for it is verse 5 it says now if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask God who gives all to all generously God says James James says this see he says you know you're going to lack wisdom in life wisdom is going to help you walk through the trials going to help you man maneuver through the trials and we need God's wisdom as we do that all of you are going to experience trials but you need God's wisdom in order to maneuver through these trials through these rough spots in your life and guess what God is so generous God is so loving God is so good He's going to give it to you. It's like he's got a basket full of his wisdom, full of his grace, overflowing and saying, here's the basket. It's overflowing. Just come ask for this. I'm I'm dishing it out here to you. I'm dishing out. It's free here. I want to give you this wisdom and how to walk through this life that you are living right here and right now. A couple of James' friends talk about the same idea. Paul and, and Peter. Can the guys, okay, men, turn to Romans 5. Men, turn to Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5. Men, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Women, turn to 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. Men, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Women, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. Do I have a guy in the audience here who would be brave enough to read out Romans 5, 3 through 5? Who are these brave souls? Hey, I saw Wendell. Yep. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Beautiful. Lady, is there a lady here who's brave enough to read out 1 Peter? There we go, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7.
Yeah, they both say, the brothers and friends of James both are in agreement on this in their writings as well, is when you go through these trials, we can rejoice in it because God is going to provide all that we need to walk down the path that we are walking on. And James says, you know what we need? We need wisdom in this life. We need wisdom in this life because who here, who here lives the same day, day after day? Who here lives the same exact day, day after day? You've been living this for all your life. No, life is about change, right? We're all getting older. We're all moving along in life, right? So each day can bring and will bring a new challenge, a a new set of frustrations, a new set of things to work through, a new set of, of joy, whatever it may be, a new set of opportunity and possibility. Life is about change. Life means change. Change is going to happen, and we may be walking through something now that we have never experienced in our life, and what do we need? We need wisdom on how to handle that, right? We need wisdom on how to handle it because we've never experienced now. And, and God says through this book, call out to me. I will give it to you. I have the wisdom that you need to walk through this life. James has uh, in the past been criticized for not having enough Jesus in the book. If you read James and some people have criticized, well, there's not enough Jesus in this book. Actually, it's interesting. James speaks more from the Sermon on the Mount than like any other book, especially the book of its size, speaks more, has more content from the Sermon on the Mount, from Jesus' own mouth than like anybody else in the scripture. And James is just repeating the words of his big brother when he says, ask God, ask God for this wisdom. He's going to give it to you. Jesus said, and it's recorded in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, right? And James is just repeating this idea that, that Jesus has put on the table for us is that when you have your faith in me, when you are trusting in me, when your hope is in me, God has this big, full basket of wisdom and grace and mercy, and he is ready to just dole that out as you ask and as you need it. If we don't ask, then we are like this person in verse 6. Uh, but let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. We can go to the Lord and ask for the wisdom. Say, Lord, we can find ourselves in this experience where, okay, Lord, I got this thing going through. I really need your grace and I need your help. I don't know how to handle this thing. Okay, great. I've done that on Sunday. I've done it because we're here at corporate worship and I'm praising you and all these kind of things. And life is like life is going to be great because I see your hope and I see your love. And then on Monday, it's like, no, God, I really need to hold on to that trial. I really need to try this by myself. And the double-minded person is like the person who says, God, you have it. Nope, I think I need it. God, you have it. Nope, I think I need it. God, I'm going to give it to you. Nope, I think I'm going to hold that back. And we can't hear, we can't comprehend, we can't experience his wisdom because we're in this pattern of, I want to listen. No, I don't want to listen. I'm going to do this on my own. Um, Yep, I will listen because it says so, because I read it in the scriptures, and I will listen to you. But no, the next day I I really don't. I really want to tackle this on my own. And that's the double-minded person who's like, okay, yep, you say you're asking, but you're holding tight. You say you're asking and seeking God, but you still hold it tight. What's going on here? Of course, you're not going to hear how to move through this and walk through this in joy because you keep going back and forth and you're tossed like the waves of the sea back and forth. No stability, no foundation. Where are we going to put our hope? It is in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the promise that says when we walk in Christ, 
we have a path of joy no matter what we go through. When we ask for wisdom, wisdom gives us a number of things. You know, like I just mentioned, that we, we live our life and our life changes and we, we uh, find ourselves in situations and circumstances we've never experienced before. And, and we need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need to handle a situation that, that we've not handled before. And so maybe God sends in counsel to our lives or, or, or God gives us a, a word. Uh, maybe God gives us a word from his scripture uh, that, that gives us more knowledge and understanding of how to actually, what this situation looks like. You know, when we get into a, a trial, a bad spot, where do our eyes go? very inward focused, right? And all we can see, all we perceive is this little tiny world that we are living in, that we've put ourselves in, and, and all these other things are swirling around us, and we don't take in that information, we don't take those other perspectives and whatever, and so our perception of the problem becomes very super hyper-focused, and it doesn't let anything else in. Wisdom says basically, okay, I'm going to breathe a little bit. I'm going to ask for some counsel. I'm going to ask for some advice. I'm going to go, you know, see if what's going on and, and kind of open my eyes to, to the world around me. Wisdom is also going to allow us to grow in our experiences. And as we grow in our experiences, I think that deepens our faith as well because we see how God has provided for us. He provided in the past. He's going to continue to provide in the future. I have experience with that. I understand that. I know that. And because of that, that's going to help me grow in this new problem that I face. But we can't be like the person who sits there and says, okay, God, you got this. Nope. I better hold it. God, no, I'm going to give it to you. No, I got to hold it. I got to hold it. And we keep the weight of the world on our shoulders. And God says, man, I want to help you out with that. And that is not bringing you a whole lot of joy, but man, I want to help you out with that. I want to open up that path of joy for you to experience because good, bad, or ugly, we can be on a path of joy through Jesus Christ. You know, the reality is you know, life is not going to be fair. Life just is not going to be fair. But God is still good, and he wants to give us good things when we turn our eyes to him and his desires and, and what his plan is. James is going to speak to the opposite side of that in, in James 4, where he says, You desire and you don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and you don't receive because you ask for wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. It says the path of joy that I want you to walk down does not come from just seeking out your own desires and your, all your own solutions and, and all these things that, that come swirling in your mind. It says, man, I've got a basket full of wisdom that I want to give out to you, God says. All you have to do is ask. And the problem is, one of the problems is, is you don't feel like you're receiving anything because you're, you're selfishly focusing on what you think is right. How many people here have gone through a situation and... God blew you away with the outcome, but it wasn't what you expected or what you even hoped for. Or maybe you were struggling and you were working through a problem in your life and like, okay, this is the end goal. This is the, this is the end desire. This is the end of the equation right here. And God says, nope, it's going to put you right here. And, and then you, you may fuss and you may push on that. It's like, oh, God, that's not what I wanted because it was right there. I could almost grab it. I could almost grab it. But then after a while, if you've sat on it and you've experienced what God has provided and, and built into your life, you may say, oh man, well, yeah, God, I can see how you had this thing all figured out. And why was I even trying to reach for that thing, that outcome, that result? Because God, you had so, something so much better for me sitting 
right there. When we ask God, the scriptures, the theme of the scriptures about asking God is us turning our eyes to him, us turning our hearts to him, us turning our desires to him, putting them in line with his heart and his desire. And he says, man, there is abundance in that. There is abundance of joy in that. Now, I know that a lot of us here have probably felt during our lives at some point in time that something was really running very lean. Maybe it was our financial situation. Maybe it was our relationships, whatever it may be. Something in our life was feeling just very lean. It's like, oh, this is just on the brink. This is on the brink. James seems to do a little twist in this passage, take us in a whole different direction, but it's all tied to trial and to temptations in our life. And so he, he now twists it and starts speaking about those who are poor in this world and those who are rich in this world. Poverty. This is probably a huge deal for a majority of the people reading this letter or hearing about this letter. Because again, they've lost everything. A lot of them have lost everything. Okay, can you imagine, again, you're driven out of your home, you're driven out of your country, you can't worship in the place that you worship, you can't see these friends or family because they're either gone or they've been, gone, they've been sent to a different place, and now you've lost your job, you've lost your source of income, maybe there's your, your job, you couldn't take it with you, but you had to just go, and so how am I going to survive? How do I eat? How do I feed the, the kids that are in my family? All of those questions start swirling around your mind. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. How, how, how is this going to work out for us? There could have been some other people uh, in this situation who were rich in the church, who were influential, who were rich in this church, and they went out, and maybe they, they lost some things, but they held on to some stuff with them. They carried some stuff with them because God had uh, allowed them to have some stuff, and so they carried their stuff with them, and they may have been in the position that, okay, I'm tightening the ship, doing, you know, this is my stuff, this is my resource, this has got to last me for a long time until I can build up my wealth again because I've got all these provisions. And now instead of being generous and having the heart of Jesus, where maybe in the church in Jerusalem where it talks about in Acts, does it not talk about them? They, they shared everything amongst themselves. Because there were outsiders who were coming into Jerusalem to worship. They experienced Pentecost. They, they, they turned their hearts to Jesus. They left a lot of their livelihood you know, where, where it was, and they came to worship and join the church in Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of sharing of resources and stuff. But maybe these rich folks who had been sharing, all of a sudden, man, I am in a hard spot. Boom, I, you know, I, I got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this tight. Because I don't know where, you know, what my next job is going to look like and whatever. And i got to keep this money in the bank to feed my family. And so we have a couple of different people in this group, those who are probably experiencing extreme poverty and those who are experiencing their wealth, but we're maybe starting to hold it very tight to their hearts. And James is going to call, call him out on this. He's going to talk about the rich and the poor, those who are scraping by just to survive, and those who we would call the one percenters. Let me clue you into this. If, if you drove here in a car and you came from a house with a roof over your head and probably more than like two bedrooms in it and, and you were able to put gas in your car and you got a bank account with even a little bit of money in it, we are a part of the 1% when it comes to this world. So maybe as we look at this, so we have a tendency to look at, okay, I'm, I'm poor, I'm always poor, all that kind of stuff. But maybe we say, oh God, you got me in this rich category here and how am I living my life? But James is going to speak to both situations here. James is going to speak to both situations. As they're going through their trials and their testing, in verse 9, he, he switches this, but again, it's all part of the same, same thought. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation. What in the world is going on there? 
you know, poor people, I don't think generally feel like they're very exalted, very listened to, taken care of, whatever. They feel like they're just always on the edge. How in the world can I boast in my exaltation, my riches, my glory, all that I am? The, the, you know, when we look at someone who doesn't have very much or someone who may be struggling and is like, well, why can't you just get a better job or whatever? We, we tend to kind of look down on the situation. And, and James says, boast in your position. Like, well, what is my position? I have no position. I have no say. I have no position. What is my position, James? He says, he's saying, you are an heir to the kingdom of God. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what is going on around you on this earth. You are an heir to the kingdom of God. You boast in that. You are a child of the king. You can see very clearly how God is providing for you out of his generous wealth, out of his generous wisdom. You can see how he continues to provide for you even in your time of need because you are a child of the king. You are a child of the king. Often it's the rich that we see boasting in what they have or how that defines them. And James says, oh, but you rich folks, you need to boast in your your humiliation. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Why do the poor get to boast in their their status? Because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms here of earth. And James is saying, hey, you may have some stuff, you may have some money, and that may look good to people around you, but you boast in the humility that comes from following Christ, because what did Christ do? Christ gave up his glory, put it on a shelf, the the glory of heaven, you know, uh, his... um, power and all of that, gave it up, put that on a shelf so that he could come down here and serve as a suffering, humble servant. And you, you rich folks, are called to follow Christ's example. And if he was a suffering, humble servant, maybe God put you in that situation to be a suffering, humble servant. So maybe that stuff isn't just your stuff. And even though you feel like you have to hold it in and and keep it and, and keep it tucked away for the rainy day, maybe Jesus is telling you, hey, that's my stuff, and these are also my people over here, and I want you to boast and act out of the humility that comes from being a follower of me, a follower of Jesus, because I was your example of the the one who had everything. I have everything, and I put it on a shelf so that I can come down here and serve you, and now your position is to walk in that example and continue to walk and serve as I have served other people. Jesus was always serving people. Wherever he went, he was always serving people. And James is saying, hey, you you think you're rich? You would like to boast in your stuff, but why don't you boast in your position of humility that comes through Jesus Christ because he was your example. He was your example. And he said, you know what? It's all going away anyway. All this stuff around you is going away. It says, for the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, its flowers fall off. This is wealth he's describing. Its beautiful appearance perishes in the same way the rich person will wither while pursuing their activities. All this stuff goes away. And we know that we we can say, oh, well, this is all future stuff. Yeah, God's going to come in here. He's going to clean it all out. He's going to clean it all out. Well, this happens today too, right? Bank accounts drain. 
Cars break down, stuff breaks, we throw things away. All right, did you know, I was just looking at this, do you know, in the last couple of years, each year, the U.S. has thrown away 250 million tons of trash. This is stuff that we collect. This is stuff that we bring into our homes to bring us joy, to bring us uh, peace, to hopefully improve our, our lives, our relationships, whatever it may be, to, to have fun with. All this stuff, 250 million tons of trash that we throw away, stuff that we thought would make us happy and healthy and put us on the right track. And where does it end up? It ends up in the landfills, in the garbage. 250 million tons of this stuff every single year. That comes out to like 2,000 pounds per person per year. So you guys, each one of us here in this room, are basically throwing away 2,000 pounds of trash individually. I got seven people in my house right now. That's a lot of pounds of trash. I'm doing my part to throw out the 250 million tons. My goodness. But we bring this stuff in, right? We bring this stuff in because it's going to make us happy. It's going to give us joy. It's going to give us the hope we want. It's going to give us the hope of the, the, the new life, the improved life, whatever. And then James says all this stuff goes to the garbage. I love technology and stuff, right? I, I, I love that kind of stuff. I was in my car the other day, and my wife and I were needing to swap cars because I needed to take the kids in the van, and she was going to swap cars to go to an errand. And I was in my car driving to, to meet her at the, the meeting place, and, and on my radio, this is amazing to me, on my radio, I get into my car, I start my car, and almost immediately, the music from my phone starts playing through my car. Is that not incredible? Right? Is that not incredible? What was even more amazing to me, as I was, I was having this experience, is I was driving, listening to my music, singing my songs. I was listening to Hillsong, love Hillsong. I listened to that, and uh, I got out of my car, stopped my car to trade with my wife, got into the van, and immediately it picked up right where I was from my phone and my music in her car, and I drove away. How amazing is that? You know what? God gave us creative minds. God gave us minds to think, to build, to process, to improve, right? I mean, we, we live in an age where we have medications and our lifespans longer because we can do some pretty amazing things in our lives. And I don't know anybody who'd like to really go back to the Middle Ages where you die like at the age of 12, and you know, whatever, and you're riding on a horse instead of a car, whatever. But God gives us minds to create, to build, to develop, to, to have this stuff. But when our hope gets put in the stuff, ah, oh, we're missing the point, and we're not living that joyful life that God has set before us. We're not meant, meant to worship the stuff or the outcome, you know, that we're meant to worship God. And we're meant to ultimately put our hope in Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And James wants us to remember that. And he says, he says to people in either situation, rich, poor, doesn't matter, anybody in between, he says, I have something for you. Jesus has something for you. Jesus has something for you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you come to him, if you put your hope, your trust, and your faith in him, Jesus has something for you. Only the ones who deny him will go home empty-handed. won't have the door prize. And he, he says in verse 12, our last verse for this, this morning, blessed is the one who endures trials. Blessed is the one who experiences a joyful life even through the trials because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who 
love him. Now, this is not an image of like the crown jewels. We're not going to get to heaven and each have our own little crown jewel crown. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe God will bring that out on us. This is the picture of someone who has run a race. Way back when they had the Olympics. Way back when they had the Olympics and someone, the, the winner of the race, what would they get? They would actually get a crown, a wreath, a crown because they, they completed the race. And he says, it's like this. This is the crown of life at the end of the race that you win. His, his friend Paul writing to the Corinthian church, says, for our momentary light affliction, this is the guy Paul who's in prison for most of his ministry. He's beaten most of his ministry. He's, he's shipwrecked. He's traveling all over the place. Churches are kicking him out because they don't like some of the stuff he's teaching, but he's still continually faithful. And, and his, his family members and his, his, his communities are ditching him. And he says, for our momentary light affliction, this light trial that I'm experiencing right now is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. James says that's called the crown of life. The reward of our faith is eternal life with God. And it actually starts right now when we accept Jesus as our Savior. James is taking a play from his big brother's playbook and saying the man who leans into his faith, who relies on his faith, he is blessed and he's going to receive a blessing through God, which is called the crown of life. In light of the eternal glory and security we have through Jesus, the weight of this world should just be slipping from our shoulders. These trials, these struggles should just be slipping from our shoulders because we know who holds the keys. We know who holds the power. We know who has all the glory. There's a guy called Malcolm Muggridge. He was an agnostic, and he converted to Christianity late in his life. And he says this. He says, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful, but I look at them with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not happiness. James is saying, hey, it's not if the trials come, it's when, but God has opened up a path, given you a way to walk through those trials with joy with joy, with contentment, with peace, because we know who God is and we know uh, what God has done for us. These trials continue to be faith builders, building our faith over and over as we're experiencing them. And as we share them, we're able to share with other people, this is what God has done for me. This is what God has done for me. This is how God has acted in my life. How are our hearts this morning? How are your hearts this morning? This morning, how is my heart this morning? Am I fully able to let God walk through the trials of my life with me? Or do I act like a double-minded brother? Oh, God, here you go. Nope, I got to hold it. God, I need to give it. Nope, I got to hold it. Where are our hearts? Are we able to lay those trials, those troubles at the foot of the cross saying, Jesus, I want the joy that you provide to walk through this path. I want to walk through the path of joy, on the path of joy that God has given to me. I think this, declare, this deserves a, a public profession. I'm giving up a load. I'm giving up this stuff to Jesus because I don't want to carry it. I don't, I don't want to be the one concerned about the outcome. All right? I don't want to be concerned about the end goal. I want God to be concerned about the end goal. I want to give him the end goal, and I just want to follow where he will go. 
I gave you those two pieces of paper on your seats. What has God taken you through? That's, that's for us to carry with us. Those, those, are, those are things that we keep in our Bibles. Those are things that we put on the fridge or the, the mirror or right by our nightstand when we wake up because, oh, God, you've been faithful. I remember, I remember, I remember, and you still continue to be faithful even today, even as I experience this new thing, this new thing that I don't know how I'm going to get through. I don't know what the end looks like, but, God, you are faithful, and I cry out for your wisdom because, God, I've seen your faithfulness. Those are things for us to carry. That's the thing that we carry. God, this is your provision. This is how you've taken care of me. We want to let the other things go. We want to let the trial, the worry of the trial go. And so I said, hey, those trials, maybe God has pressed something on your heart. You're struggling with this son. You're struggling with this daughter. I want to help you with this. I want to help you with this. Did you write some of those things down? If not, start writing some things down. Some things, a couple of things, two or three things this year that you want to give to God. Maybe it's a business decision that you just, I just don't even know. Maybe it's a relationship like, God, this is broken. I'm trying my hardest, but you know, it's, I just keep spinning my wheels. I want it to be right. I'm trusting in you. Lord, you're going to do the work in your time, whatever it may be. Those things that we don't need to carry, the end goal, the end results, we do not need to carry about that because God is carrying us. Financial stuff. Man, the bank account just is too slim. And I don't know how I'm going to make it this next week or this next month. God, I want you to have that because I want to walk through it with a joy that only comes through you. I'm going to invite the gentlemen who are passing out the offering baskets. We are going to pass the trials to God. We are going to give those trials to God. If you filled out that sheet, I hope that everybody was able to list something that they want to give to God, that they know they need to give to God. And the baskets are going to come by and, and collect those cards. Yeah, you can start collecting the cards. Put them in the basket. These are the things that we give up. These are the things that, that we stop worrying about because God's got it in control. God's got it in his hands. Today I want God to have full control of my life, and I've been fooling myself carrying this stuff, and I'm ready to let it go. Pass those in. Pass those in. Pass those along. What are those things that we need to give up and give God control of in our lives? We have the faith. James is a book written to those who said, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. And James says, how are you going to live it out? How are you going to act on that? What are you going to do? What are you going to give up? What are you going to allow God to work on in your life so that you can experience that path of joy? As they are finishing collecting those things, hey, band, why don't you come up and lead us in our last song? All right, keep passing those things in the basket. Pass them along in the basket, and we'll sing our last song together.